but for the most part really? in the United, yeah, well, in the sense of like having a licensure and okay. not have and just being a registered dietitian, which is like being a registered nurse, you still take okay. a state exam and you're just registered. But like in certain states, like Nevada, they allow me to apply for a licensure that says, um, I, I'm a licensed dietitian. I'm allowed to do these things and no, um, a nutritionist or someone that's not a dietitian cannot do these things. You are not legally allowed or else you'll be sued. Um, in the state of California, we don't have licensure. And so you're just a registered dietitian. Um, and you are the only people that can work in the hospital and be able to provide tube feeding and like um, total parental nutrition. They will never bring in a nutritionist. You will never see a nutritionist. God forbid you'll ever see a nutritionist. They will never hire that in the hospital because they don't, they weren't um, schooled in how to provide like medical nutrition therapy, which is like the big divider between nutritionists and dietitians. Medical nutrition therapy is only a dietitian is skilled in that area where we go to school. We do 1200 hours of supervised practice in different realms of nutrition. And one of that is called medical nutrition therapy under the umbrella of clinical nutrition. Uh, we, that really is like, I would say the big signifier of what defines us and as well as the education and the, and the hours of, um, internship experience. Uh, but yeah, we're the only ones that can go into the hospital and provide that kind of, um, advice, meal recommendations, um, and, uh, specifically around the tube feeding and, uh, like vein feeding. Uh, that's the only, uh, that would say that, that, um, but yeah, so taking a state exam, 1200 hours of supervised practice, um, getting a bachelor's now getting a master's in dietetics or nutrition, uh, is what separates us from nutritionists who don't have any of that, but in, um, you know, across the globe and, and other countries, it's different. It's different. I can't speak to those, but I, there is education around it. Um, there are some overarching organizations that provide a lot of very good education to people who may not have gotten to school, may have not gotten school around that. And so um, it's a bit more complicated uh, um, across, across the globe, but in the United States, that's kind of how we separate it. Yeah. <clears throat> with respect to privacy for all of the things that you've seen over those 1200 hours, what were some of the things that you saw during that time that helped prepare you to work with athletes compared to other gen pop? Like just talk about that. That's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I think I, I would imagine a lot of dietitians would say like working in the clinical setting really teaches you a lot about the different diseases and condition conditions people go through, um, through I their bet, lifespan. Yeah. And knowing the value of being able to read labs in the hospital setting and knowing the value of being able to communicate with other practitioners, doctors, respiratory therapists, um, speech language pathologists, uh, and, and being able to have that rapport and also seeing the hierarchy of um, how things are done and knowing that there are other influences as it relates to like the culture and the environment of that community and um, also um, just life and, and just kind of seeing that that progression. But yeah, I would say like the communication, the collaboration and just seeing some scary conditions and, and how nutrition can help and how sometimes the system is a little failed. Um, and, and also, um, yeah, just uh, severity of different diseases and conditions that when you go into like a sports setting, especially in combat sports, we see a lot of like um, acute dehydration. We see a lot of chronic stress, but with the acute dehydration, you see potential AKIs, which is something that you uh, come across in the clinical setting, acute kidney injuries, you know, sweating more than 2%. I don't know what the cutoff is for when you experience like an AKI, but like 
um, you know, having like an acute kidney injury is something that I wouldn't be surprised a lot of fighters experience during that weight cut period, 24 hours before a weigh-in and uh, knowing how to rehydrate properly and knowing what that fighter needs to rehydrate optimally in order to, um, in order for them to feel like they've come back to life, I guess, for lack of a better term, uh, and knowing what not to provide them that could potentially be very detrimental to their health. Knowing the difference, it's scary that some people are out there giving out recommendations on like certain rehydration that you're like, no, do not drink that. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like you see these like IV places just like right across the strip and it's like, oh yeah, come get this IV or like these just random people like, oh, slim down with me training when it's like you've gotten real – like it's terrifying, right? Yeah, I I wouldn't say I have a lot of experience with the IV realm, although I do know that a lot of fighters go and get that. But UFC roster fighters can't because it's against like USADA. You can't have a certain amount of like IV fluid, but um, I'm not sure how it works with their new – overarching organization it's going to be probably more strict uh but other um promotions i'm not sure bellator pfl how they do it they do allow iv and you have to be careful yeah you really have to be careful it's not like these iv spots no taking a quick break from the show to tell you about our deal we have going on right now in december if you sign up for fundamentals level one you will get one free year at strength coach network that's right sign up for fundamentals our 20-hour long-form education course that has information on every topic in strength and conditioning that will make you a better strength coach regardless of the field that you're in not only if you're a strength coach personal trainer athletic trainer physio this is for you because all the education about progressions regressions motor learning speed agility jumps you name it we have information in it so sign up for fundamentals get a free year at strength coach network click the link down below let's get back to the show the intricacies of what a fighter goes through yeah they sweat okay they do an acute (laughs) sweat loss great uh, making sure that the person that's giving you the IV drip is a registered nurse or a doctor or a PA or, you know, nurse practitioner and that they've done this before and, uh, and just know that this, like their livelihood depends on it. Like they are going to make money and they need to rehydrate properly. And I, so I only know the oral, oral route technically. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's scary when somebody recommends the wrong oral rehydration solutions. Scary. That's the way that I was thinking about it. Like, oh, it's almost like somebody working at the mattress store saying that they're a sleep expert. It's like, of course you're a sleep expert. You're going to say that, (laughs) but like, are you at like, you don't, you haven't probably studied it as much as anybody that is actually working in health and human performance. Um, yeah, because like the, it can't just be a supplementation advice from you or like how how do you handle that balance with you know supplements or food within this medical nutrition therapy world um supplements and food so yeah it's a fine balance and making sure that first of all they trust you enough to tell you all the supplements that they're taking sometimes they don't tell you everything and so you want to just you know, ask them up front, okay, these are all the supplements. They tell you, these are the supplements I'm taking. And you say, all right, this is it. And what about like any kind of medication? You get that information and you start to kind of piece that together with all the other assessments, questions that you've asked them to see where, you know, where is it? What do they need? What do they maybe not need right now? What they can really supplement come maybe fight week, stuff like that. So knowing uh, just from working with fighters and and um, knowing what is important for them supplement wise and knowing that they're always sort of in a calorie deficit, it's like good information and experience to have so that you can delineate which ones are um, supplements that they should be taking, but also which ones 
should they just be pushing more food? And yeah, okay, every person is a little bit different with what foods they like. Maybe they don't like any fish. It's like, okay, but I know you need like omega-3s. You get hit in the head all the time. You need that. <laughs> um, so, okay, I'm going to push the supplement then heavily um, so that we're just making sure that we protect your brain. But when it comes to sometimes situations where they're just like training a lot, three times a day, six days a week, I'm like, okay, I can give you some good, like, I would say like the research is still I think improving in this realm but like curcumin to help with like inflammation around like muscle recovery and just over overall recovery I do like to recommend that but I also like to put a heavy emphasis on like are you recovering like are you taking those recovery sessions like do you know what that means it's important to optimize your recovery side by side with your freaking training because you guys train so much that you need to recover just as much because I can't help you with your weight if you cannot recover like, I really can only do so much. And the same thing, like, if you don't train enough, no amount of nutrition is going to fix the weight, you know? Like, and so it's a bit of a fine fine balance. So I kind of pick and choose what is what I should push for when it comes to supplements. Um, but, but there are definitely some that are essential that I think everyone should know about. Like, everyone should be, like, pushing. The, you know, the strength and conditioning staff and the physio should still be emphasizing the need for omega-3s to protect the brain, you know, creatine to protect the brain. That those are things that are, everyone should be, uh, you know, fostering in, in this, like, combat sports realm. But if you don't know anything about supplements, then go ask people who are well-versed in those those areas. And if you feel like, you know, those supplements haven't been um, tested with your sport uh, or niche, then ask for help to implement that, like ask them how they would implement it into their program so that you can start to see if any of these supplements do help, help your population. And so uh, I, I just like pick and choose because sometimes you don't want to push too much supplements into a fighter because they're like, I, I don't want to eat all these supplements. <laughs> um, well, yeah, yeah, no, and I mean, not to mention the fact that anybody can overwhelm themselves with all the different choices that they have for some yeah. it's like, and and then the writings about all of them, like, oh, you need this essentially to live if you want to live optimally. And then yeah. they can get kind of sucked down into that rabbit hole. 